then we have uh, time for question and answers after that. So, you know, why is it that, that some people, you know, really exude this uh, atmosphere, you know, of, of metta and loving kindness, even if they are really challenged and, and others, you know, can't really bring it into the practice? Why, what's the difference? And, and according, you know, to my understanding, the difference is that those who really have uh, a lot of um, metta or loving kindness that comes from having the courage, you know, to turn towards one's own experience and and really look at it and and digest it, and from you know from really understanding how one how one's own heart and mind work, we have the capacity, you know, to really fully respond also to how others are because there is you know basically we are all having the same things going on in, in, in our hearts and minds. So, you know, from really having that strength of mind and heart to really be with, the su with our own suffering, we can open up to the suffering of others. And, you know, from really understanding that we want, you know, to be happy, we have that deep understanding that this is exactly what everybody else is also looking for. And and through that, you know, through that very deep understanding, this capacity, you know, for loving kindness and friendliness is an automatic result. And then, you know, the question is, you know, what can we do to strengthen our own potential to, to turn towards our experience rather than turning away from it into distraction? And then, you know, constantly running after this, running after that. And, you know, being always on the surface of life being always unhappy and unsatisfied and stressed out and and not developing any depths, you know, no no wisdom there. And if there's no wisdom, there's also no compassion, no no capacity, you know, to really deeply resonate with the experience of others or, you know, with the environment, with all of those different levels of relationships, you know, we are a part of. Because, you know, there's a big web, a huge vast web of relationship which we call the universe and we are part of it. And only, you know, if we have the capacity to really open ourselves to this web and receive feedback and receive, you know, positive energy and receive life force, only then, you know, can we really um, live fully and, you know, respond fully from the heart. And you know, having metta, having loving kindness, it's is nothing different from uh, being fully responsive to what life, you know, brings to us. And and uh, it doesn't mean you know to be always like super sweet, but it means, you know, to have that strength of heart, that strength of mind, to fully open up and receive the you know the river of life. How Ayanna Bodhi was also speaking, you know, and allow that river you know, tend to, um, you know, work through all of the obstructions, you know, the big boulders and the small boulders and through, you know, having this current just slowly, slowly break, break those boulders down, you know, and, and break them apart. And inside of those boulders, inside of those, you know, strong patterns, there's a lot of wisdom inside of it. But if we don't allow it to fall apart, you know, then we n can't participate in this wisdom. And I just wanted to speak, you know, about a few 
skillful means we can apply in order you know, to arouse that, that strength of heart, that strength of mind to turn towards our experience. And one, you know, the classic one uh, in all three schools of Buddhism is doubtless, you know, reflecting on death and reflecting on impermanence. Because, you know, that's something which is, can be very sobering, you know, to a, a mind which is very caught up in, in distraction. For example, one way is, you know, we could, for example, reflect on, you know, it's very certain, it's, it's certain that I'm going to die but it's, it's just uncertain when it's going to happen and where, but it, it's, it's certain. And, you know, and just bringing in that reflection can stop the proliferating mind, you know, who is kind of desiring something or, or, you know, afraid of something else. If you bring in that reflection, it, it's sobering, you know, and I don't mean, you know, bring it in in a morbid way or in a, you know, kind of wanting, you know, kind of you know, wallowing in, in, in uh, depression or anything like that. It's just like a fact, you know. Everything which is born has to die. And this is just like the, the kind of other side of the coin, you know, without being born there's no death, but if we, if we are born we will die. And everybody, you know, is having that same um, fate, you know, all, all beings. And to just reflect on that can really help us to get us into the present moment. Or, for example, reflecting on, you know, I, I'd lie on my deathbed right now, you know, what, looking back onto my life, what does that bring up, you know? What would I have wanted to do more of and what would I have wished to do less of? That can also really help, you know, to, to bring a perspective onto our preferences. And then it gives us, you know, that capacity to, you know, to, to let go of, of some of our really petty, you know, um, thoughts and, and uh, you know, views or, or difficult relationship we have with some people because we just can't let go of our way of, of, of seeing things. If we reflect in that way, that it can really help to clarify what's really important, you know, and what would you have wished, you know, to be doing with this life or with the years you still have? And, you know, that is uncertain when it's going to happen. It might happen tomorrow. So if I reflect in that way, then suddenly my capacity, you know, to just let go of some preferences is much bigger. So that's, that's a very good way, you know, how we can, can you know, bring in more strength, uh, you know, charge ourselves up a little bit so we can more fully respond to what's happening, not, you know, just kind of allowing ourselves to be carried away in the same old way how we always have been doing things. So reflection on death and reflection on impermanence, you know, very central to the Buddhist practice. It's, it's considered one of the, you know, the reflections to turn the mind towards practice. The mind which is always, you know, looking for something in the future. And then suddenly, oh, uh, there might be no future, actually. I might be dead tomorrow. So what am I doing, you know, with my time? And then, wow. And then suddenly, you know, you're here. 
And that's exactly where you can learn. You can only learn in the present moment. You can't learn in the future. And you can learn, you know, from the past, but only in the present. So that's one. And it's, it's a very big theme, you know, and it's, it's kind of not easy to forget, I guess. You know, so that can be always very helpful to, to reflect on that. And then another one would be, you know, to, to reflect on your initial motivation, you know, which set you on the path of practice. Because all of you, you are on some kind of a path or another, otherwise you wouldn't be here, you know, on a weekend, beautiful day. There's so many things you could do, but you've come here, you know, and set aside a few hours or even a whole day, you know, to practice and listen to what we have to say. So you are motivated to a certain degree already. And then maybe, you know, thinking back onto what originally, you know, opened that window into practice for you. I, I still remember very clearly, you know, how, how that was when I, s when I met my first teacher. And I had that, you know, I, I had that glimpse of what is, how it is possible to live, you know, that there's a completely different way of living, not just, you know, being, uh, you know, manipulated by our culture and running after this and after that, constantly having you know, not enough of this, not enough of that, and being never fully, you know, where I am right now, always kind of thinking about the next thing, the next thing. And when, when I saw my first teacher many years ago, that was in the late 80s in Thailand, he opened like a, a door for me, you know, into a new way of, of looking at life. And... You know, in the, in the beginning, that can be very, very, you know, exhilarating and very inspiring. And this is exactly what it should be, you know, because then once you settle into the practice, then, you know, that what the honeymoon phase starts to shift and it becomes what's called like the kitchen sink phase, you know, and then there's a lot of difficult stuff to work with, you know, what we call the purification process. And that takes much longer than the honeymoon phase takes. <laughs> But nevertheless, you know, once you have your foot in, then that's a really good thing, you know. And then if you s sometimes think you're going to drown in that kitchen sink, you know, you just think back what, what actually got you in, you know. And then I still can see it, you know, in, in with my inner eye. And I can still kind of receive that, you know, that initial kind of uh, welling up of... Uh, enthusiasm you know Th there was suddenly a vision there which has never been there before and you know that can come for some people it comes through meeting a master or meeting a meeting um, uh, even you know doesn't have to necessarily be in life in, in uh, a live person it can also be you know seeing a, a movie or a DVD about a teacher or hearing a talk even reading a book sometimes just uh, purely seeing a photo of somebody, you know, there can be that deep resonance in the heart. And I think this is a very precious, you know, if there is any, anybody, you know, who can bring that up in you, really use that, you know. And there are some traditions, you know, which they really use the, the devotion to the master, the devotion to the guru as, as a basis for practice, you know, because that devotion can can motivate, you know, to look into parts of your own self, you normally wouldn't be willing to look because it's too unpleasant, really. 
So that's a very good motivation or, you know, having, for example, have a picture like that and put it somewhere in the, on, your, on a shrine if you have or somewhere in your home, you know, where you, you can go to this picture. And there are so many different icons, you know. All religions have come up with lots of inspiring icons just because of that, you know, because people need that inspiration because the path can be very difficult, you know. And usually, you know, when it's difficult, then it, it can, that it means, you know, that you're really getting in touch with something which really needs attention, you know. And, and then we have to just kind of somehow, you know, come up with the truth to be able to do this, you know. And another way is, you know, to have spiritual friends, you know, to, to go to a meditation group or, you know, to come to a day long like this or even go on a retreat with others and just, you know, see how many people are interested, you know, and, and what questions they have and seeing, you know, they are struggling in, in the same way as, as, as you are or as I am and that you are not alone with this, you know, this path is not an easy path, but how could it be, you know? If we are kind of dealing with, with conditioning from, from many, many years ago, you know, which has been repeated again and again, it has really been set quite deeply, you know. Of course, it's, it's difficult, but there's no doubt that this is something which can be done. And even, you know, modern science has now been proving that, you know, the brain can be changed through meditation practice, even, you know, no matter how old you are, 80, 90 years, it still is the same, you know. The brain is a process, like everything else, like the body is a process, the mind is a process. There's no single thing anywhere, you know, an unchanging thing. It's all processes and they can be worked with. And we just need to have, you know, some clear instructions and there's myriads of, of instructions. The Buddha has left us with so many good, you know, instructions, some very simple, some very elaborate, you know, depending, you know, from which corner of the planet they are coming from. But the, the essence of all of those instructions is about, you know, letting go of unskillful ways of meeting life and cultivating skillful ways. And what we are, you know, what we've been sharing today is, is, is one way how that can be done. And, you know, it's, it's coming back to our natural capacity, which is already we are born with that capacity, but it, there's lots of overlays of conditioning and, and the practice helps us, you know, to lay that bare, you know, to lay that wellspring bare and, and allow us, you know, to really deeply drink from it and, and, um, you know, share it out with others. And, you know, there are so many examples for, uh, you know, looking at, at uh, different, you know, um, well-known persons like, for example, Mr. Nelson Mandela, you know, who was in prison, I think, for 30 years in a, in a very small prison cell in, in, in Africa. You know, and was what he was able to do with this very unfortunate situation. Then when he came out, you know, because he was really able to face his experience fully, he was able to benefit so many people. Or, you know, His Holiness the Dalai Lama, for example, or the Pope, Pope Francis, you know, he has just released 
the papal encyclical, I think, on Thursday, you know, which is all about the care of our environment. He's a very revolutionary person, you know. So, you know, all of those people, they have that strength of mind because they have been really facing their own experience and they have, through that facing, you know, they have developed a lot of wisdom and compassion and then they can do things where other people can only marvel, you know, how can they, how can they do that? Because they, you know, they, they have been able to, you know, clear out a lot of stuff and, and, and now they are kind of in touch with that intelligence, you know, which isn't coming from the intellect, but it comes from the depths of the universe, we could say, you know, and the connection is through the heart, not through the mind. And they have surely have gone through a lot of difficult experiences and they made a lot of good use of it, you know, rather than, you know, distracting themselves or running away or having been depressed and all of that. What they did is to just using it, you know, and then they could benefit or can benefit so many others. And, you know, in times of, of great difficulty, I think reflecting in this way can help us to, to rise up, you know, and say, okay, I'm also turning towards this, even it's it's difficult, because I know that's the only way forward. You know, the only way forward is the way through. And yeah, and then there have been others, you know, who had lots of good con uh, opportunities, lots of money, lo beauty, fame, and all of that, and weren't able, you know, to make anything much out of it and end up, you know, killing themselves. You know, there is countless celebrities and so on, you know, who've ended up in this way. And because they didn't have that motivation and they didn't have that sincere motivation to use what they have for the benefit of the whole. Because they just didn't know. Not because they were not good people, but they were very confused, you know. And then someone else like Aung San Suu Kyi, you know, was in house arrest, I don't know, for also 30 years or so in Burma, and at the same time she was able, you know, to strengthen so many people in her country, you know, to just keep on resisting that very negative way of how the government there is operating. And it's, it's you know, it's that sincere motivation of the heart which makes the difference. It's not willpower. And at the sincere motivation we can, you know, kind of strengthen it by reflecting in this way, reflecting on death, reflecting on impermanence, reflecting on what initially you know, motivated us, you know, to step into the path. Just very, it's very, very simple reflections. You know, what do you want to, you know, kind of have done with your life when you're, when you're on your deathbed? What, what would you like to have done with it, you know? I think that's very healthy way of thinking. Even our culture might not agree with that, but it's it's one of the skillful means, you know, to really gather in the energy and direct it in a good way, which includes ourselves, but also others, you know, in the circle of concern and, and uh, friendliness. And I think, you know, we want to open up now for 
question and answers also 